we become all aware of this and uh, maybe it, it's talking about us becoming aware that you know our youth is passing or health will pass or the capacity to hear or move or think clearly at some points in our life will pass for a while you know it won't be accessible anymore or even death you know the passing of life itself in ourselves or others and anyway this young woman after was saying like uh, somehow I'd read about this and you know these things in Buddhist books or heard about it but because and it was our first uh, retreat and she said because we were all together when we were considering these ideas somehow it really moved me very deeply that we were all in the same boat, you know, all aware of this. And it was beautiful the way she was expressing it. She was like, because we were together at that moment, all attentive, considering the same aspect of life, it, it really landed in a way it had never landed. And uh, you could see that it was um, make her, making her more vibrant. It was not making her more sarcastic or disconnected or, you know, oh, everything passes. It was making her very vibrant, very alive, and felt she felt also very, very connected. And somehow it led the conversation to, um, you know, I'm doing spontaneously, like I do usually, based on what we just said now, this is what comes to mind. I hope it's interesting. <laughs> if it's not, it's your practice. <laughs> um, but um, so it led to us, you know, talking about. So again, why do we do what we do? Stop telling the world what it is and will be and was. You know, why we create some inner silence and lis listening to get in touch with reality as it is. And reality as it is, the teachings tell us we'll notice it is changing. It is escaping us in many ways, you know, that there's not control. Huh? We'll sit here and we won't control the heat, the sounds, even the thoughts or emotion that will come. Huh? We won't exactly control that or when the bell will ring. And slowly we're touched by this. Wow. The, and so collectively we want to become aware of that uh, fact that things are passing, that there's a, that, uh, there's a lack of control, and also that we're connected in this way. And anyway, the, uh, it led the conversation to, because last week was uh, ending with um, Fridays for Future, and um, I was saying that one of the things that touches me in the teaching around the, the different, uh, you know, the reality, the nature of reality that is very uh, touching for me, and check it out if it's true for you, but it's, it is the fact that we're so related. And I was saying, you know, one aspect of this word we talk about in the Buddhist uh, psychology or the teachings, dukkha, dukkha, the kind of side of life that is poignant because things are going to end, the kind of poignancy of life, you know, that what is beautiful is going to pass, that uh, we don't have control, all these aspects of life that are poignant, with described, uh, translate dukkha as like this poignant, the poignancy of life. One aspect that is very poignant, I find, is the fact that we're so related that what 
I do, not only has an impact on my own life, but it has an impact on others. Not only in, on others close to me, it has an impact on people that I live on the other side of the planet, that I don't even know of a different language, culture. Do you see what I mean? As a consumer, as a, some privileged being living in the north, you know, my actions have an impact on others in so many ways. And so, to me, that's extremely poignant to know, like, this is the nature of life, that what I do touches deeply others that are even far away, even those that don't even exist yet, to come. What I'm doing, what we're doing, is having an impact on people who will be. What kind of environment they'll find themselves in. Isn't that poignant? That's dukkha. That's really touching to know, wow, I'm actually touching a lot of being or impacting a lot of beings with my decisions. You know, like articles that I've read over the last few years, at some point, a few years back, you'll remember many of us wanted quinoa. <laughs> Suddenly we wanted quinoa. You would think it was just me boiling a little quinoa. Dukkha, poignancy. Suddenly, down south, everything has to be reorganized. The price of quinoa, for those who are used to buying it for cheap, is skyrocketing, not affordable, because the folks up north, I've decided that it's it, you know? And the economy totally perturbed and access to uh, food. Give it a couple of years, suddenly we all want avocado. <laughs> Reorganize the whole thing. Avocado needs a lot of water. Grab the rivers upstream, people downstream don't have access to water anymore because some people have illegally opened avocado fields because there's money to be made, you know, with the people of the north, you know? And to me, to become aware of this seems both extremely important and extremely touching that this is in the fabric of reality, that we're all in this together and my actions are totally having an impact. I can't try to live in delusion, denial, just to s try to save some kind of, uh, you know, ethical issues, uh, inward, uh, you know, tearing in some ways. But it doesn't work. I'm only in denial. That's painful anyway. Disconnected. And so in this practice, we pay attention to feel like this, the connection, to feel the lack of control, to feel the passing nature of things, that we decide that it goes or not, you know? And to become very sensitive to this, and to recognize this, that we're all in this together. All in this together, us here. All in this together, us like this. 
and all in this together, those who will come. And this, as you may know, <coughs> in some um, ways of thinking, some, uh, some uh, schools of thinking, is extremely important, not just um, uh, for us personally to learn to live in reality, but, you know, what I'm thinking of is uh, Joanna Macy, which I talk often about here, who is an activist and a Buddhist scholar and a meditation teacher. When she talks about the changes we want to make on the planet, Fridays for Future and all this, she says, three things need to happen. If these three things don't happen, it's not going to happen. One thing is old hold action, say no to certain forms of ways that we are together that doesn't work and has an impact on others, detrimental. We need to say no. We need to stand up. We need to sit down, sit in, walk. We need to lay down. We need to use all our different postures we have access to to actually refuse some of the things. Say, no, that doesn't work. We have to create new forms of being together that is sustainable for everyone and long-term life of the planet. And she says, if there's no spiritual work, it's not going to happen. If there's not a waking up to the kinds of things we're talking about here, this is not going to work. We're going to have to change our perceptions of reality, going from confusion and misunderstanding to clarity, maybe, about how things work. We're all related. Our actions have impact. And what I find very, very powerful about the practice that we're doing here, <laughs> well, maybe first because it's one of the things in the three things mentioned for something good to happen for all of us, for more safety, food safety, air safety, body safety, uh, you know. What I find remarkable is then when we do this very simple act of sitting like this, it, and it could be lying down, I don't care, it could be standing up, uh, but when we do like we're doing today, we stop and pay attention. It's, I feel these days like it's a very direct path from um, abandoning our habitual ways that we conceive the world. The ways that we habitually conceive the world is it's about moi. I'm coming from here, I'm here now, I'm going there later. Do you recognize something in this description, of, in this kind of worldview? Very common. I think most of us, I could say, suffer, <laughs> in a way, from it. It's a valid one, you know, that it's about me coming from there, being here and going over there, and all the different things, we, my preferences, as Gay was mentioning, or my opinions, and how I'm perceived, and where I'm going, and all this, you know. 
So that's one way to perceive reality or conceive reality. That's very Buddhist teaching here. We're in the heart of it. How we create the world, give meaning to the world, you know, conceive, perceive the world. And for many of us, we think this is it. It's not a perception. It's not a, an angle. It's reality. If you are hearing me questioning that view, it, makes, it would make sense you would. Like, is this is strange, this guy? Like, what is he saying? That I'm not, I, did, didn't, I didn't decide to come here and sit here and that I don't have dinner to prepare <laughs> later, you know, that I don't have to stop at the grocery? I do. That's the real reality. I do have to stop at the grocery or whatever, you know? <laughs> well, I'm saying here that in this practice, by stopping the narration, comment, and not by just saying, stop the narration, it's too hard, by, by saying, hey, let's hear sounds, let's feel body breathing, let's connect with temperature, you know, by using this way, we actually cut through <coughs> the story making, <coughs> timeline, my, me in a timeline, conception of the world for a moment, and we discover another reality. Over time, some people have experienced it like this. We're happy for them. For most of us, it's going to be a little bit more progressive. Uh, is that the way to say it? We're going to sit, sit, but usually we're talking decades. <laughs> I want my money back. Well, you didn't pay yet. Good. <laughs> so, this change of perception happened through sitting here like this and letting go of the obsession, the addiction towards storytelling of moi. What could have happened to moi if? What will happen to moi if? You know? What I hope, what I fear will happen to moi. So if we pay attention just to the immediate experience of body sitting, suddenly we can experience another way, in another way, reality. And here I'm thinking about um, Annie Nugent, with whom I've sat a number of um, long retreats, and sometimes, you know, we would be all day, almost all night, no, all day, sit, walk, sit, walk, just paying attention, abandoning again and again the storyline. I'm three weeks within a three-month retreat. Oh, my God. You know? <laughs> Letting go of the time frame. Just what's happening here? Hearing is happening. Breathing is happening. You know, coming back to this again and again. Abandoning, at least momentarily, the obsession with that particular view on reality. That's only one little way to m make sense of reality. And just returning to this, and once in a while, Annie Nugent would just say, lump of meat. Here's another view on reality. Lump of meat, lump of flesh. This is what's happening. No, it's moi, mine. It's happening to... No, lump of meat. There's sensitive lump of flesh resting on earth. There's not much space for the storyline in there. <laughs> it's a lump of living, you know, tendons and bones. And 
And I always loved when she said she would say that with you know kind of tenderness and a little playfulness and seriousness. There was many things in there. And then you're like, oh, and I'm there like totally obsessing about you know. Do you follow me when I say this? The story of this being, and they're like, well, that's one take, but one real take also is that there's a lump of something, you know, or somebody else, I don't know if it's Joseph Goldstein or another, but uh, certainly I've heard this many times, earth resting on earth. Ah, wow. Getting at the elemental level of things, you know. Just a play of heat element, air element, water element, and earth element. Why make it so personal and about a certain made-up moi? You know? <gasps> Freedom! <laughs> Liberated from the one you thought you were stuck with <laughs> for the rest of your life. Just a body sitting and so here we use a lot of this in this tradition, we use a lot of this. Hearing is happening. Hands are resting. It's not my hand or my mind agitated. Listening, being attentive, friendliness present, harshness present. You know, Getting a little bit out of that only view, as if it was an absolute view. It's a made-up, it's very cultural. You ask somebody else, somewhere else in another culture, how are you? And they say, oh, we're good, or we're sick, you know, talking about grandma, you know. And the worldview is a little different. Ah, so it shows up that it's a worldview, it's a way to construct the world. And our particular dominant view in, uh, in this area has a lot have disadvantages to it. Creates a lot of suffering, a lot of isolation, a lot of confusion, a lot of feeling fragmented, and a lot of fear, you know? There's a lot of uh, things that suddenly appear very insulting and unexplainable. You know, why death? You know, I've conceived of a self that is so real and enduring and solid, you know? Then you talk to me about death? This is a nonsense. <laughs> oh, so it might show us that our worldview, the way we conceive of things, is a little confused. Otherwise, it would include that, you know. And so there's spiritual work to be done, a questioning of reality. How does it happen here? We pay attention. And we notice that the lungs breathe very well by themselves. They have their own natural way of doing this. And so questioning our worldview, how we conceive of the world. Joanna Macy, back to her, she plays with this perception, these perceptions. Title of one of her book, Earth as Self. Earth as Lover. Here's a different view. <laughs> Choose your one. Earth as Self or Earth as Lover. Where's the juice for you? <laughs> Go for it. And she says to activists, you know, when you talk about the planet, don't talk from the small perception of a little isolated self that has, you know, 80 years of consumptions to do. 
the 80 years of consumer self, you know, that's way too small. Talk from your real age, not from whatever age you think you have. Talk from your real age, 4.5 billion years. When you talk, when you speak up, take the talk from this, from this place, that'll give you authority. Change your perception, your small, limited, fearful perception. Allow it to transform a bit. That's skillful. That's as real as the other, by the way. I can go in a complete different direction, which I, th- I find is actually very, also extremely wise in terms of perceiving of a certain self. And so my friend, colleague, um, uh, my God, uh, his name was just there and vanished. <laughs> I should, uh, before I said my friend, colleague, I should have gone with <laughs> Marlon, Marlon. Um, who uh, is on staff at uh, the Insight Meditation Society, teaches mindfulness meditation, cooks for everybody who comes on retreat, is a dancer and a kind of a scholar of contemporary dance. Very, very interesting guy. He was telling me that he went somewhere, maybe it was in Amsterdam, there was a conference around contemporary dance and um, and there was a, there was a, a, a special workshop of a few hours around voguing. So there was a there was a voguing artist uh, who was there and uh, teaching, you know, the, the dancers of other kind of you know traditions or schools about uh, that particular art form or expression. And uh, where you know, I'll p- put it in my words. It's limited knowledge here, but where, you know, based on um, images of models, you know, there's a dancing where we're called to be fabulous, you know. And so coaching the, the dancers, you know, this, uh, the, the teacher and Marlon is reporting this. It's like, whoa, this was deep wisdom over there. Suddenly uh, the teacher said, the artist said, honey, kind of like, honey, it's all empty you actually, you can totally be fabulous. It's, being fabulous is al- as real as being your ordinary boring self. <laughs> it's all made up. <coughs> you know, it's all a perception. So you don't have to be faithful to being your boring old self. <laughs> That's just a view. You can put it aside and be fabulous for a few minutes as you dance here and own it. And it's as true because it's made up. Don't touch my boring self. <laughs> my boring self <laughs> is the real one. <laughs> I, I cling to it. I adore it. I want to keep it. Do not rock my world. <laughs> so here is perception. Ah. The other one was learned. You know, it was learned in the family. It was learned in the culture. You know. And so in the same way that we create the self of others, talk about biases you know, and preconceived ideas, you know, there's a lot of work to be done there of releasing perception for the safety of beings, you know, so they can walk safe in the city. 
So you know, walk is one of them that can drive safely or run safely or you know. And so questioning perception, the Buddha used the image of a mirage. Talking about perceptions, our things appear and now they truly are. You know? And we're seeing this in a very, okay, I'm bringing the queerness in here. You know, we're seeing this in extremely interesting ways these, these days. See how you're relating to this. Questioning gender and gender expression. Isn't that showing us that it was made up? Oh my God, you know, Pascal, you misgendered me. I'd like you to use she when you talk about me. I love that stuff. Rock my world, you know, rock my world. I thought that only those with the, those genitals could wear dresses, and you're telling me that that's made up. Well, it seems right. <laughs> Rock my world. Feeling a little uncomfortable? Good. <laughs> That's the beginning of spiritual practice here. So letting go, or maybe uh, holding our perceptions and views about ourselves, about things, in a different way a little bit. Is that really so? I was looking in my computer just before um, starting here because, um, parenthesis, as many of you know, Friday uh, mm-hmm. evening, uh, True North Inside, Voix Boreal, who's part um, of the uh, kind of uh, organizer or uh, offering uh, the classes here and retreats, you know, with uh, Yoga in the Park. Um, Voix Boreal is celebrating 15 years, this non-profit offering uh, retreats, silent retreats and classes and prison project and uh, a few other different things. It's it's not easy for a non-profit to exist, to come to be, and to actually exist for 15 years, I think is beautiful. Uh, And so Friday night we're gathering, and you're welcome, absolutely, it's you, if you want it to be, and to celebrate uh, this. Uh, and th- it's around a uh, little bit of um, art, you know, poetry, uh, music, uh, readings. And, um, and uh, so I was um, looking a bit to help some of the people who will be presenting. They were looking for stuff to read, you know. So I was, I was looking through my stuff to see, uh, is there something that would be... Uh, you know, fun, touching, meaningful, uh, vibrate, would be f- nice to have around that particular event. And I ran into um, many things. Some of the, a lot of the classics. <coughs> I ran into a lot of Mary Oliver, of course. <laughs> but uh, a lot of uh, other stuff also. And I ran into uh, dear uh, Gavin Harrison's uh, poetry. Gavin Harrison. Um, is a teacher in this tradition, uh, actually passed away uh, this year. I think, if I'm not mistaken, in my mind I have January now, but perception, you know. It just appears like this, who knows, was it February or December? But um, Gavin is a very, very beautiful teacher, um, 
of the, I would say, ecstatic kind, kind of uh, the beautiful depth expressed through, uh, I want to say exuberance, but in his words, I would say mischievousness, this mischievous being. And a little story, I've told this here before, but the first Dharma book that I read ever read was traveling in Asia, ran into a book in some bookstore, old used book, and it was um, In the Lap of the Buddha by uh, uh, Gavin Harrison. And in it was the story of um, the practice, uh, you know, kind of biography, teachings of, a, of this uh, teacher who was a gay man, uh, was living with HIV, and was a you know, survivor uh, of um, abuse, uh, a thriver, I would say. And uh, so it was my the first book uh, I ever read on the Dharma, and I, I could relate a lot as a gay, HIV-positive man. And um, and the first time I met him, I actually took almost twenty years. And one day, I arrived too early to a retreat. I had my own perceptions of reality. I thought the retreat was starting on that day. It was starting the next day. I show up. Nobody's there. No manager. No, I'm like, what? This is really quiet. I've never seen a retreat center that quiet with nobody. And then I looked at the, some information. Oh, it's tomorrow. And then I found out that this ev- that evening, Gavin was there offering an evening class. So I thought, oh, my God, my luck. You know, my, my first teacher is there. And it was really beautiful. And it was uh, later in that evening came, I don't know, maybe two, three hundred uh, people for the class at uh, Spirit Rock. And Gavin was his Gavinish, mm-hmm. if that's a way to say it. And, you know, really captivating the crowd and putting the Dharma in there, you know. <laughs> and it was very, very beautiful. I, uh, there was one event that happened that evening that was really touching. At some point, there was a kind of a Q&A or comments, a little bit like we did earlier. And uh, it was op- open, you know, for people to ask a question or report on something. And there was um, a young person who raised their hand and Gavin, you know, said, yeah, what, what's going on? And this person... From it seems from a, from a lot of suffering and confusion was were describing their trying to meditate as they were putting it, you know, trying to apply what they were learning unsuccessfully as they were putting it. And there was such a quality of listening in the room that you, you know there was this person speaking, and the hundreds of people totally tuned in and really caring, being attentive to this person's experience. And there was such honesty and humility and uh, authenticity that there was something, and the sense was that, anyway, for me, was I could only see the beauty of this being. And Gavin was listening, and when the person finished, he stood up, and crossed what we often call the fourth wall, huh? you know, where, you know, there's a, a kind of a setup. You can see it, it's happening now. I'm on this side, you're on that side. I'm speaking, you're listening. There's a bunch of little agreements we have, you know. And, uh, and he just crossed and went to sit with the person and took the hand of this young person. 
And just this was so meaningful to actually come close, mindfulness, becoming really interested and attentive to what's happening, what's real, came and sat like this and said a few things and at the end said this little thing that really uh, uh, touched me very deeply. Gavin said at the end, you know, putting his hand on the hand of this young person, said, sometimes we're the last one to find out that we're lovely. And to me it was such a description of what was happening in that room. This person didn't know their beauty, but everybody else could see it. And there was a sense that, or hope certainly, that this person would discover this too. That they could discover this too. Anyway, so that was a Gavin moment. And um, keeps asking me who I am. <laughs> I want to let go of my identity. And here's a, a poem I was uh, reading a little bit quickly today, and I thought oh, later tonight I'm going to return to this poem. I'm doing it now, so we'll see. It's a poem from Gavin. And so, uh, dear Gavin, um, sleepwalking within a dream. What if you could no longer see the sky and the sun, the rain or the rainbow? What if the moon, the stars, and the shadows of night were lost to you forever? No doubt a great sadness would befall your beautiful heart. For until the eyes within your eyes can see again, the great owls of night are gone, as are the dragonflies and butterflies of your days. See the world once again, once again like a child, rediscovering the familiar. See the world once again like a child, innocent, naked, honest, simple, unscripted by thoughts. Unscripted by thoughts. For when a label which is a thought, is placed upon anything there is overshadowing and loss. All we see is the thought. We perceive through a filter of our thinking the original thing lost to us, perhaps forever. forever. Trance walkers sleepwalking within a dream of our own creation. The clouds, breezes, and birds disappeared. Heartbreaking, isn't it? Until we are willing to travel deeper. Then, fixation upon, upon thoughts we miss. The simple naked glory of creation as it is, as it is, as it is right now. Are you willing to abandon 
your love affair with the language of your mind and get real? Are you satisfied slumbering through life in love with your thinking? And is that the love affair you really want? The choice is yours. No matter how glorious, burnished, spiritual, eloquent thoughts are always a deflection from the truth. But please, don't believe me. You may not want to believe what you're thinking right now, either. Find out for yourself. Stop, look, witness, observe, inquire. All those thoughts of you know more who you are than the passing of clouds, waving of grasses, or the falling of nuts. Your views and opinions about the Milky Way Not the Milky Way. There is no Milky Way. Crazy, isn't it? We are innate within the insane Aslam. Thinking is not the problem. Allow thoughts to come and go. Don't root, root within them. Don't believe them either. They're not who you are. More, move deeper. Rest in that of you which is larger than any thought could ever be. Hark, the orchestra is playing your song. The dance floor awaits you. Don't hesitate. Don't think about it. Just dance, dance, dance all the way home. So thoughts, just, what did, did he say, a shadow, overshadowing reality? Very Buddhist, I'm sorry. You can almost roll it up, roll it up in the sutras. <laughs> so we sh shall, we, shall we sit a little bit together and dive deeper under the thoughts? Touch reality. Earth resting on earth. Giving back to nature what belongs to her. The movements of heat or coldness, the movements of air the fluidity or rigidity, the hardness, the softness, the pressure, the lightness.
created by nature, expressions of nature. Similarly with the movements of mind and heart, movements of mind and heart. Noticing the alive nature of every experience, event, the alive nature, living nature of uh, sounds, of hearing, living nature of the body, pressing, pulsating, living nature of uh, thoughts, 
appearing this appearing <coughs> living nature of uh, even silence alive sometimes passing the living nature of mood maybe grumpiness alive discouragement alive now calmness or numbness
Notice how the story can easily creep back in. It's not a problem if it's seen. If we totally adhere to it, get identified, we're a little stuck, encaged. Just notice that a story is told.
may all beings, no one excluded, uh, get to experience uh, freedom and safety, inner freedom and safety and outer freedom and safety. May we be able to offer this to each other. Okay, thank you. Happy uh, 4.5 billion years B day. <laughs> um, as you go out, you will see. Maybe you saw it coming in. There's two boxes that we put here uh, every every week now, uh, and uh, this one is to support the center, who opens uh, its door to us very generously. And uh, and one is to support the teacher, who uh, you know is following the uh, old tradition, uh, thousands of years old tradition now. Uh, you know, rely on the su support of uh, of listeners and uh, people who benefit from these teachings. So we keep them alive in some way. Could be useful later on. Thinking a little larger than us, huh? We're doing this for ourselves and for those who will follow, so it's still alive. Thank you. Good week. Good month. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.